broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Midtown Business Radio. Good afternoon, everyone. It's C.W. Hall, your host here on Midtown Business Radio, joined in studio, as always, by producer extraordinaire. I just love that title. I'm going to get new cards made. (laughs) Producer extraordinaire. Voice talent, produced, and... You've been uh, signed, actually, with your music composition. So Got some stuff going on. She's been in movies and so forth. So for you creative types that are in studio. Um, but enough about me. <laughs> Who do we have in the studio today? <laughs> well, we're going to be talking about uh, kind of the creative marketing sector as well as uh, another layer of, of being able to help companies expand on their brand awareness through experiential marketing. So uh, I'm going to be talking to uh, Katie Harmon from Creative Circus, and um, I, I'm interested in learning about your, your, your school because uh, it, from what I understand, helps f- students that have an interest in getting into the creative agency and ad creation kind of sector to be able to not only continue to hone their craft, but then also build a portfolio, uh, as we'll discuss, that they can actually then turn around and use to demonstrate their expertise. So taking taking some time uh, out of your busy day is appreciated. Thanks for joining us on the mic. Thanks for having us. <laughs> and we've got... Um, an expert from BBDO. Now, there, well, I'll be interested in learning about the um, the partnership between BBDO and the Creative Circus. Um, you know, Debbie, uh, thanks for taking some time to join us on the mic and, and kind of sharing a little bit about uh, the creative process with BBDO and, and then your interface as it relates to the Creative Circus. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. And I've got somebody that's joined us on the mic a couple of times from Escalate. Uh, Stu Sheldon uh, is not one of their experiential marketing experts. We've talked about uh, the process of experiential marketing and how it helps uh folks to be able to not only see and become aware of a brand, but to actually kind of touch it and feel it and become emotionally involved with it on top of some of the cool uh, creative things that uh, the, the folks that we're also going to be joined with. So thanks for taking some time to bring one of the clients you've worked with here um, to Studio Stewart, and, and I look forward to you introducing us to her. Well, we'll just go right to that then. Yeah. Let me introduce Zakia Holland. She is the Director of Brand Activation for the Coca-Cola brands, so Coca-Cola, Diet Coke, Coke Zero, at Coca-Cola North America. You got to be thanking me because <laughs> it's it's a problem for me. Okay. No, Coke no, Zero. no, no. Don't don't say that. Don't use that word. <laughs> it's a good it problem. Makes you sound like a bad person. <laughs> no, today. and you're not a bad. Uh, let's person just say I'm CW. a supporter of the Coca-Cola company. <laughs> So I'm very pleased to have someone from Coca-Cola here in studio. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> you got to ask for samples every time. <laughs> That's right. So cre- Creative Circus, Katie, tell me, tell me a little bit about the school. Uh, you know, it's, it's a creative school, but uh, beyond that. So kind of walk me through its genesis and, um, you know, we'll kind of get down into it just a little bit. Yeah, so we actually just celebrated our 20th anniversary yesterday. So happy birthday happy to the birthday. Creative Circus. I saw that. Yeah. Um, The circus was born out of a major need in the advertising industry. We noticed probably about 40 years ago there was a lot of recruiting that agencies like BBDO or traditional agencies that were recruiting on campus for positions that the agency would need all over from account, strategy, creative. And as those agencies uh, grew and 30 years ago we started seeing these mega agencies and huge holding companies 
that were very focused on the bottom line, you really couldn't take a risk on an art student or a writing student who wasn't trained and didn't know exactly what they were getting into at an advertising agency. So that's the birth of portfolio schools in a nutshell. The Creative Circus came around to Atlanta here 20 years ago, and it was founded by five advertising executives who knew that there was a need. The Southeast hadn't been tapped, and Atlanta was a great market for that. Yep. So we are now 250 students, and we recruit. So we pretty much find that talent at undergraduate programs from all kinds of majors. We're looking for this um, really a needle in a haystack of a student, somebody who is both creative, whether it's writing songs or poetry, or they're visually creative and they are a traditional artist or a designer um, or a commercial photographer. But they also have a very good business sense about them, and they're interested in solving real business problems. So they're not impractical artists who want to just paint in their mom's basement. <laughs> they really do want to take their creativity and um, work with clients and make really awesome, sexy work that you see on the Super Bowl every year. And we look for those people in advertising clubs and art programs and creative writing undergraduate degrees. We recruit them, we train them, and we really are like a boot camp for two years. So they really can't make it through the program unless they show us that they have the chops. We look and feel just like an advertising agency, and we're a huge warehouse drive. Um, it's a dog-friendly school. There's a lot of people who come around and go, this is just like an agency, which is exactly what mm -hmm. we're trying to, to get across. So we train these creatives, and then we have this great relationship with people like Debbie Lindner of BBDO, who know that we have done the, uh, the groundwork for them and that these students are going to come out with our stamp of approval that says the Creative Circus. And they're going to have a book that looks like they've been doing the creative junior position for three to four years in an agency. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're after. So talk about the recruiting process where you're going out to identify the cream of the crop as it, as it is within that creative student space. You know, where, how, do you, how do you find those shining stars? I mean, I, I would assume now that you've been around a little bit that folks are kind of introducing you to people presumably, but talk about how it, how that process happens. Absolutely. So people like Debbie, recruiters and agencies are great friends of ours. And when somebody comes to them that's underqualified for a creative position that they've um, ultimately applied for, they'll say, you need to go to portfolio school. And typically it's the first time a lot of these people have ever heard of that. Mm -hmm. And they'll say, you need to go to a school like the Creative Circus. And that's a lot of ways that we get referrals. But we also have created really strong relationships with professors on university campuses, um, so much so that I actually oversee a eight-week summer program that we have in partnership with the University of Georgia, who the Grady College of Journalism approached us and said, we need to give our undergraduates more advertising creative experience while they're in the program in Georgia. So we've done eight weeks boot camp with those UGA students, and it's now open to students nationwide. So I do a lot of talking with professors saying, okay, they can get undergraduate credits through this eight-week program that we offer in the summertime to see if this is what they want to do and sink their teeth into before they commit to a two-year um, program like the circus is. So for somebody that's checking out our show today and, and becoming familiar with Creative Circus, and you talk about the fact that you're recruiting kind of high promise students out of out of programs are, are there kind of some high-end schools that face your your arena in terms of creative creation that tend to 
produce some of those people or where they tend to gravitate in case I'm not involved with a school yet, I'm thinking about this, where I might, you know, position myself so that I can have a, a track. Yeah. Well, you know, the beautiful thing about a creative career is that there's not a formula. So we can have amazing students that come out of two-year community colleges okay. who stumble into the circus through an alumni that's told them about us. Um, one of our students who came straight out of, I think it was Kennesaw State, who did two years at Kennesaw State, came our way and won an Emmy within the first year after graduating from the Creative Circus. So there's not a formula, but we do a lot of on-the-ground recruiting with traditional universities like the University of Georgia or Mizzou or the University of Michigan. Um, we definitely know that when we've got great talent pools like the advertising program at the University of Alabama, we make a point to go back and see them every year. But we don't want to overlook anybody and make anybody think that they've got to go to those places, particularly mm -hmm. because it is creative and they tend to be renegades and we can find them all over. So it really is just about us getting our name out there as much as possible. And we had mentioned Debbie Linder, the executive vice president and chief people officer with BBDO. Can you talk about that? Have you, have you had situations where someone was interested in being a part of the agency um, and they showed some work, obviously would impress with some measure of promise, but you're thinking need a little more polish, need a little more experience, so you've actually been able to say, well, maybe you should go to a program like that? It almost always starts out the same when you realize someone has not gone to portfolio school. Um, they come in with a ill-crafted um, binder of sorts that has some sketches in it and they are a wannabe artist or designer and obviously are very proud of what they're bringing in but you recognize really early on in the conversation that they're just not going to make it through <laughs> unless they have some more formal uh, education around how to put a portfolio together and right. how to think about advertising in a different way so oftentimes, I normally have, I don't know, maybe 10 people a year or so that come in like that. And uh, I always refer them to um, a portfolio school and most frequently Creative Circus. We've got a great relationship with them. Um, the response almost always is, oh, man, I, I just finished school. I don't want to I know, back. I'm done. So just trying to convince them to go and apply <laughs> and think about having to put in another two years right. to hone their craft. Yeah. Sometimes it's a hard sell, but once they get into it, they're always really grateful that they did. Well, I know that um, if you get to be a part of BBDO as an example, obviously they're huge, um, many, many offices, and, and clearly I was looking through a number of the ads and I'm like oh, it's, oh yeah I know that one oh, that that one so clearly if you're a part of the team you're going to be producing work that is seen on a massive scale um, and I know that you have a at, at uh, the circus you have a really high rate of folks once they leave the program being able to secure positions with companies like BBDO um, have you had that experience I'm sure that some folks when they come to you and they talk to you and you're like well you may need to consider that probably go away feeling like uh, this I, I'm rejected I'm not going to have a chance but after they go through the program have they been able to come back and actually then now now they're part of the team I can't recall any that I sent away that came back to apply for BBDO, so maybe that's not. Yeah, a maybe good they thing. went. Well, <laughs> maybe, well, that doesn't necessarily mean they didn't go on to to do something else. Uh, you know, maybe just not been BBDO. Maybe the taste was uh, they rejected me. I mean, they didn't see my greatness right out of the blocks. But <laughs> you know, we gave them a great gift. Sounds like if you sent them there. We hire a lot of young talent, um, and I was just thinking about uh, a 
team that we hired about a year ago who came to us as interns from the Creative Circus. And they have produced some of the very best work that our largest client, um, for, for one of our very largest clients. So just because you're young and a new creative doesn't mean you can't do really substantial work. And uh, this is a team that's going to go really far. And we have brought in, we just hired six new young people uh, to come into the agency. And they are so driven and they are so ready to contribute. And it's schools like the Creative Circus that really um, get them geared up for that and make them uh, able to come in and really contribute Mm -hmm. at the level that we're looking for. And from what I understand, there's a bit of a renaissance occurring um, in Atlanta with regards to creative and advertising and general marketing. Can you talk about that? What, why is that? Is it because we're a travel hub and, and Atlanta in and of itself is just obviously growing quickly and technology is a, has a high presence here? So what, what's making it happen as it relates to creative? For me, I've been with BBDO for 25 years now, so even older than the Creative Circus. So I've seen a lot of of this transition through Atlanta. There was a time that people um, really migrated to Atlanta from New York or San Francisco and different areas like that because the cost of living Mm -hmm. really gave them an opportunity to live a better and more comfortable life as they were starting their young families. Now I think that it really is starting to change. We've seen it change at BBDO because we've been very successful in bringing in very senior top talent to Atlanta. So creatives now are migrating to Atlanta because they want to work for great people. And that's definitely something that we push through our career service department that helps place our students. We tell them all the time, don't chase the money, chase the people. It's all about the mentors that you're going to have in your career, and you want to work for the great executive creative directors like Will Boudreaux, who just got hired at BBDO and came down from New York, uh, Perry Fair, who's with JWT, Noel Cottrell, who's with Fitzgo, who came from New York and was brought down to Atlanta. So we've actually seen more circus grads who consistently wanted to go to bigger market cities have said, no, I want to stay in Atlanta. I want to work for that guy. Those people are amazing, and they're pumping out great work. And that's been an exciting trend for us here in Atlanta to see because we know that it's not just about uh, the clients and Although clients are sticking around with Atlanta agencies more now that there's so much more work to be done, but also that we are attracting that kind of talent pool and we're keeping creatives here, which is ultimately going to make Atlanta a great city. We've been talking with Katie Harmon and and, uh, Debbie Lindner, Katie being with uh, Creative Circus and and, and Debbie joining us from BBDO, obviously a very well-known creative firm that uh, interfaces frequently with the the folks at uh, the Creative Circus and learning a little bit about how our landscape here in Atlanta has been changing in in a good way, bringing people here to not only train, uh, but also stay here and be, you know, go on to be parts of, uh, let's say, local companies uh, or local offices, if you will, of BBDO, for example, to use one. Um, And when it comes to national advertising, I mean, it sounds like Atlanta is actually being able to be pretty competitive with firms like yourself being here and and so forth. You're able to secure some pretty high-level firms. We clearly have some national and global brands like like our guest here from Coca-Cola. So uh, talk about how that happens for you. You feel like we're becoming kind of a uh, on the map, if you will, as it relates to some of those very large uh, companies out there that might need to do some advertising? Um, I think that that has always been the case for Atlanta, but I think there are more national companies that are fluctuating to Atlanta talent and to Atlanta agencies. 
I think in part for the all the other reasons that talent come to Atlanta, that, that it's a better cost of living. As a result of that, some of the agencies in Atlanta can offer a better price for service. So I think larger companies are seeing that as a benefit in the, this region, not just Atlanta, but the, in this region. So I th- we've been very fortunate to be able to to attract some national companies to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And as it relates to that student that's gone through the circus, Katie, um, what's the process like as far as advocating for them or facilitating? You know, how, how involved are you as, a, as the school to interfacing with, say, the BBDOs of the world or, and other agencies out there in terms of introducing them? Do you do that, or is it really more on the you, – you've kind of trained them and helped them put together a good book of, of work. How does that – process happen. Yeah, we actually say this a lot because parents are always saying, are they going to get a master's when they go to the circus? And we say, no, they're going to get a J-O-B. It's all about the job for us. So we can't guarantee placement, of course. Nobody can do that. Sure. It's a talent-based industry. But we do a lot within our career service department. We have two full-time people who are committed to hosting events. So we have Friday Forum, which is open to the public. So anybody in the area that wants to come in on Fridays at 1.30, we bring in, including the ECD, Will Boudreaux from BBDO Atlanta, who worked on the great basketball Guinness ad, where all the friends were in wheelchairs playing basketball, and then all of them but one got up, which is a great piece. He presented um, at one of our Friday Forums. And typically, they bring a recruiter with them, and they look at books. So seventh and eighth quarter graduating students can have their portfolios looked at, and if they're in interviewing, they actually can interview right then and there. Um, but we also host two portfolio reviews a year, one in New York, one in Atlanta. And we fly in, um, recruiters actually, I mean, they fly in themselves, excuse me, to look at portfolios because they know that it's going to be consistent talent that's going to be dependable. We not only focus on really training them as creatives, but we really do focus on making sure that they know what kind of career they're getting into and how to make sure they have a long-term career in this industry. So it's not just one job and you're out. And our career service department also curates the books that go to the recruiters based on the kind of work we know the agency makes and the culture of the agency. We want the personality of the student to fit into that agency specifically. So we make sure that the right students are getting in front of the right recruiters. So now, given the fact that you're helping these students build a book of work, clearly they're doing some work for somebody. Are, they, are local businesses able to actually come to you? and say, hey, we, we would like to conduct a, a, or develop some creative artwork for our business and actually use the services kind of like I can go to the College of Dentistry over at UGA and get dental work done. Is it similar here that businesses can link up with you and get work done that way? Yeah, absolutely. So we actually have a job board that you can submit your job into our website. If you go to creativecircus.edu under career services, and our career service department will post that up and email blast it out to students. Although you do have to remember that you're working with students, so they're not quite there yet. Typically, they get hired part-time or as interns while they're in school. And that's a great way for people to get work that um, can go into their portfolio, hopefully, but also just pay the bills while they're in school. So we have a lot of people locally and a lot of national agencies that consistently come to us, even with mid-level and senior positions, because we've been around for 20 years. Mm -hmm. Our graduates have been out for 20 years, and they are executive creative directors at Google and the creative director at Microsoft. That's a circus grad of ours. So those recruiters will even send those job submissions to us as well, saying, I need a senior level art director in Detroit. Who do you have? 
And we have a huge alumni network that we tap into. Mm-hmm. Now, Debbie, as, the, as one of the experts from BBDO, obviously a, a globally respected uh, creative agency, what if, if I'm trying to select a, a business partner in a creative agency, do you have some advice for questions to ask from the client perspective if I'm the business and I'm trying to come up with some creative pieces and, and a campaign that will help move my brand forward? Do you have some kind of best things to ask as you're getting to know the agency you're, you're sitting down with to try to decide, this is the company I need to go with? Wow, that's a very big question and probably better the hard-hitting questions right here on me. Midtown Business Radio. <laughs> you know, I think for, for us, it's really not only about the talent that you're able to um, share with a, a hopeful client, it's about culture and fit. Mm-hmm. So it's really important to understand who your client is. Um, I am fortunate enough sometimes to be able to re- actually recruit for some of our clients. Um, so I have gotten to know them pretty intimately. And I think the more you know about a client and what their perspectives are on their own brand, it helps you to understand what your limits or not are in advertising. Then all you have to have is just really great talent and a really good strategist to put the meat behind it. How does that process happen? I mean, when you're trying to, I'm sure that many companies come and they want to build their brand. They want to make people know that they're here, but they don't necessarily have an idea in mind, clearly. I'm sure they're coming to you for much of that. So what's that process like for you as you're trying to get to know this company so that you can identify the highlights that people really need to identify with and we you know we'll we'll kind of segue that over to talking to Stu as they then take another layer on top of that but talk about the processes what do you look are there particular elements as you're trying to get to know a client that you're there touch points that you can help uh, a customer or prospective customer relate to it's really important to understand what their perspective of their own brand is and then help them help you to identify what their issues are with it. So our our goal behind every creative product that we create is how are we solving the problem? You have to understand what the problems are before you can ever really build a good marketing plan to be able to address what that is. So you have a, a lot of conversations with your client and it's really important to work with a good brand strategist that can really get deep inside what the real problematic areas are. Um, We also happen to have a really strong research department that is able to measure results now also. And nowadays, it's really important um, to be able to be really good stewards of your client's money. And it's really important for them to be able to see the measurements of how uh, your advertising is affecting their brand. So you're able to get down into analytics, how much traffic is going to their website, how much response, how many times is a piece being viewed in various media, that kind of thing. That's right. Okay. Well, do you have some other thoughts that, you know, before I jump over and kind of pull Stu into the conversation, what what folks would need to contemplate as it relates to the creative side of things? And and, uh, certainly I can tie that into steward and the experiential side you know as young creatives uh, just giving just a little bit of motherly advice to young talent trying to get into the business when you go for an interview you 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 have one opportunity you have 30 minutes to represent who you are and you better be really good at it because there's a lot of competition in our industry in general But if you're a young creative, it's not just about what's in your book. It's how you represent yourself. You have to be able to, at some point, present your work to clients 
because if you can't sell what you're creating, you're out of the game. And it sounds like there's a bit of a process. It's not like plopping a big book of of pictures and so forth down on the desk and say, check it out and flip through it and tell me what you think. It's it's kind of like a presentation. You have to actually sell that book from what I understand here now we're talking. Yeah, it's definitely a pitch. And yeah. we actually have a class in your eighth quarter that's called Pitch. And we talk a lot about not only how to sell the campaigns in your portfolio, but how to sell yourself ultimately to the recruiter who's first going to hire hire you or the ECD who's looking at your book, but also to the client to be able to make sure that your ideas come through. And one last thing, too, also talking to the creatives who don't want to go to two more years of schooling, something that I always try to tell people as a traditional fine artist in trade and from undergrad is that if you are creative and you don't go after a creative career, it's going to itch you for the rest of your life. And you're going to be watching all the creatives on the other team. (laughs) And you're going to wish that you were making that work and you think, I can make that work better, but you never made the commitment to yourself. So it's important to explore it. Don't allow two years of school to turn you off too much because we've seen people consistently and what keeps me going to my job every day has been people saying this place has totally changed my life and I love what I do every day. That's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, and I, like I say, I, I, I really was impressed by all the variety of pieces that, uh, that your folks within the BBDO staff have put together some really great campaigns that obviously when people go to the website and check them out, they're like, oh, my gosh, they did that one. Yeah. I like the Snickers ads, too. Those, oh, they're those awesome. Are all really cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> those are some of my favorites, actually. And so I feel like this is kind of a good time to talk about the experiential side of things, Stu. Um, you're a, an experiential marketing expert with Escalade, and, and I know from some of our recent conversations that occasionally you actually link up with creative agencies to kind of collaborate to to add an extra layer of dimension on top of some of the cool artwork and and different video and pieces that they put together to create a creative campaign so can you talk a little bit about how you kind of then take a patient or a patient from i'm a healthcare person (laughs) take take a client's uh, message and then give it legs beyond that and let somebody kind of touch feel taste smell and really wrap themselves around a brand Yes, absolutely. So whether you're an advertising agency like BBDO or experiential and word of mouth like Escalate, at the end of the day, on behalf of the client like Zakia at Coke, you're a storyteller. Mm-hmm. And what the Creative Circus is doing in part is teaching young storytellers how to communicate a story consistently across different mediums. And so that's really the fundamental difference, which I think is not all that profound, is it's just different mediums. So BBDO is going to be, and I'm generalizing, television, out of home, radio, print, digital. We're going to be, you know, three dimensional uh, tours and pop up events and some social media. We we probably uh, cross over on some social media and digital services, but but that's kind of the the lay of the land. And so someone like Zakia is going to, to use a little industry lingo. She's going to probably put together an IMC team, an integrated marketing council team, and that's going to be a group of agencies that Zakia and her peers have selected because those agencies represent the core competencies that the client believes are needed in order to, as, as we like to say when we're doing meetings, 
what gets you excited about going into work in the morning and what keeps you up at night. And those are two very different lists. Mm -hmm. But generally speaking, from an agency perspective, the work opportunity is going to come off of one of those two lists. So I like to talk to Zakia in the morning when, when she's uh, you know, been, been up she's, all night. She's got problems on her mind. So introduce yeah. us to, uh, to your guest here, and we can kind of get down into it since I'm really big on her brain. Well, Zakia I'm emotionally involved in it yes, already. Yes. <laughs> Zakia has been uh, our client at Escalate mm, three, four years almost. We've worked on a number of projects, but the biggest one is probably the Coca-Cola Swelter Stopper program, which uh, working with another ad agency who uses initials, but they have a little plus sign in the middle of it, but we're not going <laughs> to mention them. Uh, but they came up with the core creative idea for the Coke brand related to teens, and they presented that as the core creative idea to the IMC council. So the different agencies all saw the same touchstone. And then each agency came back with, okay, based on our specific subject matter expertise, here's how we would do that core creative idea. And the idea uh, at the core was uh, this idea of a secret sort of underground movement amongst kids about the Coca-Cola brand. No main, no main thrust advertising, none of that sort of stuff, a little bit subversive chicken type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we came up with this idea called the Coca-Cola Swelter Stopper, which was how do you get kids to understand what it means to be Coca-Cola? And so tactically, it's a 53-foot tractor-trailer rig that goes to theme parks and, and concerts and, and uh, water parks where kids are. And from the minute you open the door to go in the trailer and it fsts, yeah. like opening a Coke bottle, right. uh, to the activities that you do inside and the social media content that you create, it's all about making Coke cool and relevant to a new generation, all of whom have tried Coca-Cola before, but they think of it more as, well, that's for my dad or my grandmother. It's not for me and my friends. And when they walk out of our experience, that has flipped. I see. And now, as a director of brand activation, is that a similar role to what you held when you were a part of Coca-Cola? You were a part of the Mellow Yellow team, if I remember correctly. Well, I did a little Mellow Yellow. <laughs> <laughs> my, my last job at Coke was uh, eerily similar to Zakia's. I was the director of brand activation. Hey. <laughs> and yet she still talks to me. Yes, I do. So introduce me to what you're trying to do here with Coca-Cola and, 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 and how it kind of interfaces with what Escalate does for the for the Coca-Cola brand. Because clearly we, we interfaced with a brand or, or an, an agency out there for some creative and then brought in Stuart and his team to mm-hmm. kind of do what he talked about, kind of layer on top of that. So talk about so that. So exactly what um, Stu just um, explained to, to you guys, that um, we basically work with a, a, a council of agencies and one core creative idea, and then we will um, – we actually work with several different agencies. So Stu was a part of the big, big push that we worked on regarding um, when it was Secret Formula. They've also worked on a couple of newer campaigns with us. So um, it's exactly the way he explained it. We typically brief an agency and pull in um, those agencies ba- based on their strengths. So if it were a social media um, s- specific um, medium that we want to go deeper in, we would probably work with a different agency. 
Now, as it relates to the experiential side of things, and you both can answer on this, but uh, you, you landed on the creative artwork and the kind of the picture of the message, if you will, but then we wanted to layer in that experience of, of getting a, a new set of, a new generation of customers familiar and embracing the, the brand. Do you, do you as the brand owner, do you come to them with, hey, we're kind of thinking something along line, on this line, or do you really still then look to the, the experiential marketing team to kind of come to you, we, similar to the process of identifying the actual artwork? We typically look to the agency to come up with the, the kind of conceptual idea, but a lot of times we'll know um, exactly, like if we want to go deeper. Experiential marketing to me is the opportunity for a company as big as we are to have an opportunity for our consumers to touch, feel, and interact with us on a one-to-one basis, which is very different than just watching a television ad. So Mm -hmm. Stu will then figure out how can we bring in other agencies, they come in to us like, this is how we would bring this idea to life via that medium. So CW, we have creatives at Escalate just like at BBDO, uh, and our creatives have specific experience in the experiential space. So they do the same type of work, just, uh, again, telling the story, just using a different brush and a different pa- a different palette and a different canvas, that's all. And I know that uh, one of the things that has really been maintained throughout the, the life of the brand of Coca-Cola is that that you can touch, feel, and identify readily is the shape of the bottle, for example. You can close your eyes and pick it up and probably identify it. So I would assume that's kind of a core piece of exactly. your ex- experiential marketing. Can you talk about some of the other other areas where you've or, – or, or campaigns where you've used some experiential marketing that really turned out to, to be a winner as far as getting you know some real emotion mm-hmm. fired so up about your So as you brain. said, the best way to deliver the sample, in, in our opinion, is via an eight-ounce glass of ice-cold deliciousness. So. so out of a glass is the best way, <laughs> yes. you think? Yes. CW's <laughs> mouth is watering right now. <laughs> I've done it in many ways. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's a perfect serve of Coca-Cola, 37 degrees and cold and very, especially on a hot summer day. Um, there are other ways that you can also deliver the sample or that someone may drink Coke, you know, via this cup or... Um, but one of another example that another uh, one of our other agencies worked on, which you guys were probably have w- uh, witnessed last summer, was Share a Coke. Yep. And that um, was an amazing. We saw an amazing reaction um, from an experiential standpoint with people just being able to get their names on a Coca-Cola bottle. I was curious, and you're the expert. You can talk about it. I would presume it was a success from the standpoint of. I bet it did inspire somebody to buy their friend Bob. Or I bought my brother Joan. Nate a Coke mm-hmm. because of it. Right. Yeah, I couldn't find Krista. I mean, but. that was a cool <laughs> idea. Well, that's the experiential opportunity allowed mm-hmm. you to and earn um, media to a, boot. Christ, a crystal, Krista. So. Yes. <laughs> well, and and there's a, a fairly popular YouTube video of a couple on their back porch in the summertime, and they actually exactly. go through the um, share a Coke on. Coca-Cola, Diet Coke, and CW's favorite, Coke Zero. But it's all about them telling this story and building up to telling their family members via this YouTube video that they're pregnant. But they, you can tell, I, I don't think either one is a creative by, by strict definition, <laughs> but great creativity in, in how they put this together. And they shot it all themselves and probably you know edited it on their smartphone. <laughs> uh, but it's a great video. It's about four minutes long, and it ends with them making share a coke their own 
special version of Share a Coke, which is what the whole program is all about. What are happiness cool. vending machines? So happiness vending machines, you, that's another example of a, an idea that, w- that germinated to be part of a television spot or a, a YouTube video that then we turned into an actual experiential program. So you may have seen a happiness video on YouTube where kids push a button on a vending machine and they think they're going to get a Coke, but instead a submarine sandwich comes out (laughs) or a uh, DVD player comes out or sunglasses come out. And that was originally done by the ad agency as a one-off on a a college campus uh, in America. That was the first time they'd done it here. And that was it. But uh, we went to Zakia and said, hey, this is a great idea. We can make this work. And so Escalate and Zakia talked to college campuses that are Coca-Cola accounts all around the country. And we had in our warehouse these happiness vending machines that looked like regular vending machines, but the insides were taken out. And you built a false room behind it. And there were people back there with cameras and prizes stacked up. (laughs) And we went everywhere from college campuses to even the national convention for uh, one of Coca-Cola's big restaurant customers. And we had franchise owners. These people are millionaires. They're standing in line for 20 minutes to play the machine, to play it. We we gamified ordering a Coke. Everyone got a Coke, but you... The point of open happiness is every time you open a Coca-Cola bottle, there's a little surprise and delight in there. So no one was winning a cruise or a million dollars, but every once in a while, in addition to their Coke, someone would get a little something else. That's really cool. How come I can't? Ever I would be literally want to surprise people like a Halloween, you know? Surprise! I want to be tipped off next you're time we're doing something like that around here so I can show up and play the cookie. No, machine. we need a happiness uh, vending machine, too. <laughs> can we do that? And then, and then we, uh, there was such excitement around it that we also had happiness trucks. And again, that's an idea that started in, in Latin America with the Coca Cola team down there. And they saw the vending machine and they thought, ooh, what if we turned that into a truck? And so they went around to the beach. And again, it was shot to create a YouTube video. And you push the button. It's a big button. And out the back of the truck comes a surfboard. And what were some other things, Zakia, that come out of the back of that? I think like a Wii. Yes. Did a Wii Connect. Jump rope. Yeah. <laughs> so Visa all, gift card. <laughs> and, and delicious, refreshing, yes. ice-cold Coca-Cola. That's excellent. So... From the for, from the perspective of measuring that, because I mean, uh, word of mouth is is clearly we we know we've talked uh, early on when we started discussing the value of word of mouth versus just pure advertising alone. Um, I know that uh, Coca Cola is using tons of data nowadays. How do, do you can you can you talk about kind of I would imagine being able to see some of the analytics come back with when you start these campaigns layered on top of a well you know put together creative campaign that you've got to be kind of excited about some of the uh, the results that you find as it relates to your word of mouth and experiential campaigns. I'll let Stu take this. He's the word of mouth guru. Yeah, <laughs> yeah when the client turns and looks at you and says, this is you. Tell me about that. <laughs> uh, that, that means I'm happy to answer that question, CW. <laughs> We'll talk about that because it is important. It sounds like uh, word of mouth has a great deal of value when you can package something, you know, like we've talked about earlier, you, you come up with some fantastic creative artwork and, and messaging. 
Um, and then to be able to not only just have that look great and someone who sees it be involved with it, but then also to get them to turn around and go, check this out. Yes, so without bogging you down with too much detail, sure. uh, the answer is yes. Uh, you do see significantly higher returns when you have an experiential and word-of-mouth program, but, it, but it's important to understand a little bit of the difference. Uh, when you run a television ad or when you buy a billboard or when you buy a, a run of a print, you're getting millions of impressions, mm -hmm. but they're shorter in duration. When you do an experiential program like a happiness vending machine or Swelter Stopper, you're getting fewer people, but you're getting a longer duration. So Swelter Stopper, we touched half a million teens each summer with that program. And each one of them was spending in the neighborhood of 10 minutes with us. So again, very different, same story, but the two agencies tell it through different mediums, mm -hmm. right? So we're, we're more of the long-form storyteller. And one's not right and one's not wrong. They right. just, they're both necessary. They, they're both necessary. Right. And yeah. depending on what Zakia's objective is, sure. right, she's going to prioritize one form or over the other. And, and I, that's what I was going to ask you, Zakia, as the, as the person on the brand, you're, you're over this set of, of products. Can you talk about the decision-making as it relates to this is where we would need to probably bring in word of mouth, and this is where we need just some really great artwork to, to convey our message. Is there kind of a – how's the decision-making I mean, as it relates to it where really you're going to deploy that? It, it depends depending on budget. It depends on kind of the direction, the target, the best way to reach that target. Um, but a lot of times we'll work with a cross-functional group of people. So, you know, it's not one person ma making a decision. And we'll bring in exactly like Stu mentioned earlier, a, a, full, a, a full variety of, of, uh, of our agency partners and basically weigh through kind of how, what's the best way to reach our target most effectively. And sometimes it's through a full IMC approach, and sometimes we may go deeper in certain areas than other, than others. Mm -hmm. and, and, and Stuart, from your perspective, is there, uh, if, I'm, if I've got a, uh, when we look at Coca-Cola as a great example, global, a global company, been around for 100 plus years. Mm -hmm. um, everybody knows about it from a, just a general awareness, or few people don't. Um, we, we talked about the, the swelter stopper because we're trying to reach a, a generation of folks that are younger, less engaged with the brand, and we want to pull them in. Are there kind of from a strategic perspective, if I'm a company listening about where do I spend my dollars? Do I bring in word of mouth? If, if you, is it kind of along those lines? I've got this group of people I'm trying to reach. Where, where strategically would you say it's best to go down that path to, to think about word of mouth? So a couple points on to answer that question. One is word of mouth is happening on your brand, whether you want it to or not, whether you're listening or not, whether you have an agency helping you do it or not, it's happening. If you are a single sole, sole proprietor of a plumbing company or you run a single food truck with two employees and, and you sell coffee, there is word of mouth. And if your brand holds true with the average brand in the United States, 90% plus of word of mouth about you is not going to be happening online. It's going to be happening face-to-face -face and over the phone. But people are talking about you. And if you're offering a good experience, if you have a good brand story and you offer a good product or service, 
in in a way that people respect, then there's going to be positive word of mouth. But if you don't deliver on your brand promise, or if you have if you deliver a poor product or a poor service, or last mile, you have employees who are upsetting people as opposed to satisfying right. people. Right. There's going to be negative word of mouth about you. So it, it's already going on. It's it's just a question of are you wanting to listen and to to what degree? Um, the second half of that answer marries back to the question you asked earlier uh, about understanding the relative importance. Uh, if if you look at, we've had some clients that have done test control, and where they have combined traditional media and advertising with experiential and word of mouth, they've seen 10% higher awareness levels, market A compared to market B. So there is definitely an additive uh, impact. Uh, also, you'll, you'll see, according to the Word of Mouth Marketing Association, they did, a, they did a study that found that the impact of word of mouth on traditional, sorry, word of mouth amplifies traditional media by about 15%. Another way of looking at that is when you ask folks what's the number one driver of them buying a brand they don't normally buy, for the last 20 years, 50, between 53 and 55% of the time, people say the number one driver is a direct experience with that product, and the number two driver at about 25% is seeing advertising that speaks to me. So if you're a smart brand builder like Zakia, chances are you're doing both paid media and experiential and, and word of mouth because you understand that there's a bit of a multiplier effect and that, uh, again, each one has its unique strengths, but that when you can combine them both, that's when your brand's going to be operating kind of on all to use the six-pack analogy for the Coca-Cola company, on all six cylinders. <laughs> Are there campaigns going on right now with Coca-Cola where you're collaborating, or was the, the Summer Swelter kind of one of the, the more recent ones that we've done together? As an agency, we work with 11 different Coke brands, and it's oh. everything from Coca-Cola in a red can to Simply Orange Juice and Zico and Vitamin Water and some other brands. So the answer is yes. <laughs> so ongoing right now. Yes, yes. Uh, consumption of non-alcoholic beverages generally increases during the summer. So generally speaking, we are busier with Coca-Cola brands from Memorial Day to Labor Day, generally speaking. But um, also, there's hay that can be made on the shoulders of that period as well. Anything going on around here that folks can kind of go and get involved with? I know I would probably go do that. Well, CW, I, I know that there's a Coke Zero button on the Coke vending machine down the hall. <laughs> it's always empty. You know why? Because it's awesome. Maybe I should bring you some Coke That's Zero. right. There yes. I'll sing to you. Like if you if you get a Coke out of the machine, I, I can sing and do a little soft shoe. I go to the kitchen in here all the time and I hit Coke Zero. Empty. So I've, to your day. I've told Good the, job, Stu. <laughs> making it sell out. I've told the folks who handle that machine how to adjust, this is, this is how you know you've worked in a business too long. <laughs> I told them how to adjust the shims inside the vending machine, which are the, which are the vertical stabilizers that allow you to adjust the inventory. Yeah. I'm like, look, you're constantly selling out of Coke Zero. Slide the shim. You know, you need less Fanta, Fanta grape. Yeah. Who's drinking you, Fanta grape? I mean, what come is on. Fanta grape? Yeah, really. That's probably a Coke brand. Right? It, it, is, I, I, it, I, is. I, it is. It is. I mean, it's so delicious. <laughs> 
<laughs> Drink Fanta Grape. It's awesome. <laughs> but not quite as awesome as Mellow Yellow. <laughs> or Coca-Cola. Right. That's yeah. right. So what all, uh, within Coca-Cola, are there, what, are, what are the brands? I know Stu worked with Mellow Yellow. Can you talk about the different uh, I mean, you brands you work with heavily? The brands I work with heavily are Coke, Coke Zero, um, Diet Coke, and, you know, the new introduction, introduction of Coke Life, which is... Um, the other brand with the green label, Coke Life. Mm-hmm. With maybe Can you talk a little bit sugar. about Coke Life? I probably shouldn't go too deep in it because okay. it's it's really new. It's and early. I wasn't, it's very early, and I wasn't actually on lead for that program. So well, we got to be become Facebook friends, and yeah. i got to invite you to all my parties. It's <laughs> up you, and you'll bring me samples. <laughs> exactly. But, um, my favorite, my new favorite of, person. Yeah. <laughs> so Stu works a lot with um, both the sparkling brands and the still side with the vitamin water and and zico and some of the other brands that, that he mentioned before so well tell folks how they can get in touch with escalate and we'll we'll come back to uh, to our earlier guests as well so folks can know where to where to link up with them any final thoughts before we let you all get back to your afternoon yes <laughs> people in north dakota <laughs> The Listen, batch, the bachelor's over. Out. That's right. And Dancing with the Stars doesn't start until next week. So, it's so all business radio. So load, you know, binge, so, binge, listen. So all you cool people out there who are listening, you've got to have a friend somewhere that to hangs out with Bison in North Dakota and Wyoming. So listen and tell your friends. That's right. Uh, how to get in touch with us? If you're on the Twitter, uh, Escalate tweets, or our website, EscalateNow.com. And you can email me if you want to. Why? I have no idea. But Stu, S-T-U, at EscalateNow.com. How about you, Katie? So it's going to be www.creativecircus.edu for education. And we're very active on all of the social channels, the Twitters and Facebook. (laughs) If you want to go to the footer of our website, you can link up to all of that. We have a ton of student portfolios on our Pinterest page. So you can see all of our alumni and look at current student work. But on Facebook and Google+, Plus, we're highlighting grad work on a regular basis as it comes out, usually in ad week. They'll highlight an ad of the day. And then I'm scanning the credits and picking out circus alumni <laughs> names and giving kudos to them on our what, social what? channels. Yeah. So any anything we didn't get to cover over the circus that you know, we got a minute or two left. So um, anything that we didn't cover that uh, you want to throw out there? Well, I know that we talked a lot about getting a job, which was usually the big uh, reason why people want to come to a school like the circus. But the process of going to circus is also really interesting. And I think probably something that all everybody in this room has experienced, which is trying to find your creative voice and working through that. So a lot of what the creative circus focuses on to deliver a product like a great student to Uh, an agency like BBDO or Escalate would be um, two years of them figuring out what their creative voice is Mm -hmm. and breaking into original thinking because everybody has seen a lot, especially in the media climate that we live in. So sometimes the first idea is what everybody came up with in the room or it's already been done. And we spend two years with you kind of forcing you through what we call the desert or the dry, barren wasteland (laughs) of creative idea where nothing is coming to you. And creatives tend to do really well when there's a lot of pressure and the deadline is coming up in about an hour. And that's when the idea comes. (laughs) That That drives us account guys crazy, by the way. (laughs) 
Oh, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, the dry barren wasteland gets shorter and shorter while they're in school for two years. So hopefully by the time they're a junior art director or copywriter for you, they can come up with the idea quicker and it will be better and more on strategy than it would have been had they been untrained. How about you, Debbie? So you can find BBDO on all the social channels, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, bbdo.com. Um, you can reach me personally if you're interested in jobs with uh, BBDO. It's debbie.lindner at bbdo.com. And um, if you're looking to invest time with our company for as advertisers, you can uh, just get on bbdo.com and call Michael Hunter. That's great. Now, uh, a question I didn't ask earlier was uh, clearly when you look at the website, m many, many major brands that people are very familiar with. But for a local company, I mean, do you have to be a big guy to, to work with a BBDO or, or can, can the little folks gain benefit as well? It sounds like they can. Yes, they, they can actually. We work from very substantial companies to very small companies. It just depends on what that company is looking for and what, can, what we can provide and what we're willing to invest in. We do a lot of pro bono work as well. And it gives our creatives who work on the, the big behemoth accounts um, an opportunity to really express their creativity. And uh, talk about that real quickly on the pro bono side of things. Are you doing that for like not for profit? Who 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 are you doing that kind of work for? Uh, we've done work for American Cancer Society. We've done work for the um, um, to tobacco prevention. I forget the name of it. Yeah, smoking cessation, that kind of thing. That kind of thing. American um, Legacy. Yeah, Truth Campaign. Yeah. yeah, they're right. a client of ours too. So. Yeah, yeah, um, great you know, stuff. There are really small mom and pop shops that we call pro bono because there's no pay attached, uh -huh. but it really gives them kind of a leg up, and we really try to help our community whenever we can. Yeah, American Heart Association is another we've worked with. Yeah, we'll have to link you up with the folks at Health Connects South. There may be some opportunities there. There, awesome. Uh, w what Health Connects South is trying to do is pull healthcare assets out into the light so that uh, the resources that might help, say, Alzheimer's research or something like that actually move forward, and they didn't realize that right around the corner was a company or an organization that could help them with what their process are. So I'll introduce you over there as well. So I'm really tickled to have you all. Uh, any final thoughts uh, from everybody? Here, we here's one. Here? We, we talked about finding your creative voice and being a storyteller in a different medium and, and client and agency. At no point when you're interviewing, is it ever, ever a good idea to answer your cell phone and talk to someone <laughs> in the middle of an interview? Oh, Amen to People that. do this? I know. Yes. Uh, so I do, oh my I do alumni admissions interview for my alma mater. And uh, it didn't happen to me, but it happened to a person in the room next to me. In the middle of a 20-minute interview f to go to college, this kid's cell phone rings, and they answer it and chatter for four minutes with their friend. Surely he, hey man, he must have been here. trying to sabotage that, right? Yeah, hey man, I'm sitting here in the middle of an interview. What are you up to? <laughs> hey, what's up? No, no, Who needs a that's job? A, that's exactly, me. that's almost verbatim what he said. Yeah, I'm in a college interview. What time do you want to meet tonight? No, 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 yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. Don't do that. Brutal. Don't do that. Don't be that guy. You get you get only the best expert advice right here on Midtown <laughs> Business Radio. I know. Now, if you're listening and you have not yet done so, you need to link up with the Midtown Business Radio Show, Midtown BRX, on both Twitter and Facebook. We tie in with all of our guests. You can get great information from each of those. Uh, if you have... If you're one of the three people in the world that has not tried Coca-Cola yet, somehow you can go to the website at www.coca-cola.com. And, of course, they're on uh, all of the social medias, the, the Facebooks, the Twitters. 
Let's put it in order for one of those vending machines. That's right. I want a fun. <laughs> yeah. I want a happiness machine right there. I'm gonna need. <laughs> I'm your happiness machine, CW. That's right. Well, I want to say thank you very much to all the folks that uh, that make time to come and join us here in the studio today. It's great to get to know each of you and to help folks understand that there's a, a cool opportunity for the the creative folks out there trying to make their way into the uh, creative advertising world uh, to introduce them to the creative circus and to Debbie at BBDO and uh, Stuart at uh, Escalate. And then, of course, last but not least, Zakia from my favorite brand, Coca-Cola. <laughs> Christopher Rudy, thanks for... Uh, all you do. Thanks for letting me push your button, CW. I appreciate everybody making us a part of your afternoon again today. Make sure you make an appointment to see us same time, same place next week.